Hello, Renoites listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor. I'm your host, as always. This is the podcast where I talk to folks from Reno who are doing interesting and important stuff for the biggest little city. This week on the podcast, I am very excited to welcome Emily Skyle Golden, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Cordillera International Film Festival, a film festival based here in the Reno area that is celebrating their fifth year this year in July. We had a great conversation about film, the film industry, about bringing film to the state of Nevada, specifically the Reno area, the history of the Cordillera Film Festival, the importance of film as an art form, a ton of great stuff. I used to actually be a film student briefly, so it was really fun for me to get to learn a little bit more of the behind the scenes of the film festival industry in this conversation. This week's episode was brought to you, as always, by DJ Trivia Sierra Nevada. I host several nights a week for DJ Trivia, super duper fun trivia nights at local bars and restaurants. I hope that you'll come out and play sometime if you haven't yet. You can find all of the venues at djtrivianevada.com. It's always free to play. There's prizes for the top teams. Really, really fun. So please check it out. That's djtrivianevada.com. You can also find them on social media, Facebook and Instagram at DJ Trivia Sierra Nevada. This episode is also brought to you by This Is Reno. Local news reporting is very important, especially for a city the size of Reno. We're big enough that there's a lot of important things happening in the area, but we don't always have a ton of options for local news coverage that are really getting to the heart of everything that matters. Thankfully, This Is Reno does that. It's a great local news source. Bob and his team really do a fantastic job of making sure that we have access to good, solid reporting about what is happening here in the Reno area, things around political issues, all kinds of important stuff that you might not hear covered in other local news sources. So please check out This Is Reno, support them. It's thisisreno.com, and you can also find them, of course, on social media at Facebook or Instagram. And I subscribe to their newsletter. I get the headlines in my email, which I find a pretty great way to keep in the loop about what is going on. So thank you to This Is Reno for your support of the Reno Ice podcast. If you have any suggestions for guests, as always, my email address is connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. I would love to hear who you want to hear on the show, topics you'd like for me to cover, things you liked or didn't like about any of my episodes. I really want to make sure I'm listening to what listeners have to say. So please be sure to send in your feedback, if you have any, to connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. And now, this week's guest, Emily Skyle Golden. Emily Skyle Golden, welcome to Renoids. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about the Cordillera International Film Festival. So you are the co-founder and executive director of the Cordillera Film Festival that's here in Reno, about to do the fifth year of it, right? Yes, this will be our fifth year. I have to admit, I went to school for film for a couple of years at UNLV, but I don't know that I've ever been to a film festival, including Cordillera. So can you just explain a little bit about what the film festival is? What does it look like? What kind of movies are shown? Um, for people who don't know anything about film festivals, like what is a film festival and how does it work? I think when people think of film festivals, they just imagine the red carpet and a lot of pretentious activity surrounding the red carpet. But a true film festival that's celebrating the filmmaker and not media, but still gets the grand jury, still gets the celebrity appearances, is really the goal of a successful film festival. And that's pretty much where Cordillera is. So if you are a casual movie lover 
And out of 150 films that we may screen over a four-day period, you can easily come in in your shorts, in a t-shirt, watch your one movie, stick around for the Q&A to learn from the filmmakers why they did what they did, ask questions, or you can just come in, see a movie and leave, you know, have your popcorn. Now there's other people that they film fest. <laughs> they show up on Thursday night, they walk the red carpet, they they get dressed up, they want their pictures taken, they hang out and see movie after movie after movie. They want to be part of the filmmakers lounge, which is another really fun and unique element that takes film festivals and film viewing to the next level. Once the movie is done and once the Q&A inside the theater is over, everybody kind of goes up to the filmmaker's lounge. And for Cordillera, that means a hosted bar from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. We don't do hard liquor because that gets dangerous. (laughs) So it's like wine, cider, um, beer. And we serve three meals a day there. And that's where magic kind of happens. It takes it from the experience of seeing films before anyone else in the world can, because you're seeing them at a film festival, and then meeting the filmmakers, hearing the stories, going and having a drink with them afterwards. It's a really open environment where they embrace. Filmmakers love to talk about their work. It's fresh for them, so they're still super excited. (laughs) So that's kind of the magic of a film festival. And then, of course, there's after parties and award galas and panels and networking events and workshops. Cordillera has a pitch fest, so everyone that thinks they have a story can come and pitch for a $175,000 prize. So there's so many different facets of a film festival for people to learn about. So there, I overwhelmed everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a lot. And I always think of film festivals as celebrity events, and it's about meeting the people who are making movies and being able to kind of interact with the film industry. Uh, you mentioned the pitch fest. Well, how does that work? So is it anyone who has an idea for a movie or do you have to come with a script? What does that generally look like, the pitch fest part? So there are two ways or three ways to get involved in pitch fest. One is that you can submit to Film Freeway. If you're a filmmaker that already uses Film Freeway, uh, for those who have never heard of Film Freeway, it is the number one source for you to upload your screenplays, your music videos, your films, and then submit them and have access to over 10,000 film festivals in the world. So it's like a one and done, you push a button, you submit. So our first stage of Pitch Fest is for those individuals that just want to get in front of our grand jury and special jury. And those are the people that are the panelists. Last year, we had uh, Mikhail Solomon, The Abyss, Backdraft, Far and Away. We had Hunt Lowry on that panel, Last of the Mohicans, all these incredible, incredible projects. We had Bill Farmer, who currently was executive producing a show on Disney+. Plus. He's the voice of Goofy for 35 years. So we had legends on our panel and uh, actors, Christopher Palaha, who's got a movie coming out. It was just in the news yesterday. He's got a role in Jurassic World with Dominion. So it's a really eclectic group. So you submit your stuff via Film Freeway, and we will pick several finalists from those submissions. The second way to get involved is if you have submitted a film or a screenplay, you become an official selection of Cordillera, meaning you're going to be coming here to celebrate being selected. Once you find out you've been notified, you can then submit to Pitch Fest there. And we bring an equal number of official selections, get the opportunity. And the final way is by being in the audience. And 
putting your name on a raffle ticket in a drawing and you can be a wild card. Uh, so that's someone who is randomly selected and that can be a hot mess of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also last year, our um, Eileen Grupo won and she was didn't even know, was nervous about even putting her name in the in the raffle wheel and ended up winning Pitch Fest. And now Hunt Lowry, Last of the Mohicans, is actually producing the film that she won. I mean, so that's, it's life-changing an event. And you get a $175,000 package along with consultations from these Academy, nominated Academy Award-winning, Emmy Award-winning filmmakers. Uh, so Pitch Fest for Cordillera, at least ours, can literally and figuratively change someone's life. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you mentioned the the jury and the selection. And that's another thing about film festivals that I don't really know that much about. And when we met before, I learned a lot about what those words mean. So what is the the jury? We always see kind of like the grand jury prize from various film festivals. What is the jury? How is that selected? And why is that an important part of any film festival? Well, Cordillera's ultimate goal is to become an Oscar qualifying film festival, meaning if you win the grand jury selection, this grand jury prize out of our film festival, your film is automatically Oscar qualified, meaning should you want a campaign, you have a chance. And there's not many of those festivals in the world. And so our selection process is incredibly transparent and uh, very aggressive. So we have about 2000 plus submissions that come in. Uh, Last year, I think we had from 83 countries. So from all over the world, We have a screening team comprised of about one-third film industry people, one-third emerging wannabe filmmakers, filmmakers that are, that's their goal. They're in school, they're learning, or they started at 50 years old (laughs) screenwriting and are starting out. And then the other third are just movie lovers, because that gives us a nice, healthy balance of films that an audience is going to likely enjoy. So round one. We have 200 screeners. Every movie is seen by three or four of those screeners and each one of them scores. So if it makes it to a certain point, it then goes to round two, round three and round four. So a very extensive screening process. So we really honor the work. Honestly, some of the films in round one, they can sometimes be, they're a special kind of gift and it's (laughs) difficult to get through them, but we want to honor because anyone that makes anything in a film, it's a miracle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We watch them. And if let's say three people watch a movie and two of them scored in the eighties and nineties, but then the third person gives it a 10, we're like, Hmm, maybe that just isn't the genre. And that's how that fourth screener then watches it to give us that film another chance mm-hmm. so that no one individual can be responsible for tanking a film. Uh, so once it makes it through the fourth round at that point, then the programmers get involved. Um, we have Paul Sloop. He's an Oscar qualifying programmer for over 20 years. Uh, he's known for the Cleveland International Film Festival, which is an Oscar qualifying film festival. And he steps in and then the selection process gets even more aggressive. So Cordillera as a whole for short films, we accept between 5 to 7% of what's submitted. And for features, we select about 3%. 
So it is incredibly difficult to get into a film festival. Where the grand jury and special jury come in is once we've selected our program, depending on if they're special jury, let's say they are looking at films that have a very a female focus and are being considered for the female focus award, the female focus special jury will be the ones that watch the film and without any say from us or programmers or, or any of the screeners, they make that selection of who wins. Then we have got the grand jury, and those are our Academy Award winners. Um, these are industry icons, up-and-coming, emerging voices. We have Academy costumers. We have a really eclectic mix. So the grand jury, they're all going to catch details. Each one of them is renowned for what they do. So when they come together, a film that hits and checks all of those boxes has an incredible chance of winning a grand jury prize. And overall, we give out $300,000 in prizes. Oh, excellent. So Reno isn't normally thought of as a big film city, at least I don't think so. But Cordillera has become pretty impressive in a really short time. Like we said, this is just the fifth year and it's grown a lot. I wonder what do you think makes a film festival an important one? Like there's the ones that we've all heard of, the ones that are very famous. What is it about those film festivals or what is it that you hope to do with Cordillera to make it one of the, you know, one of the big ones, one of the significant ones? What makes that difference? I think there are a lot of Cordilleras, not necessarily Cordilleras, but we're a top 100 best-reviewed film festival through Film Freeway, which is a huge accolade uh, for such a young festival. And those are based on filmmaker reviews. And it's not like some of the major review sites where you can solicit a review or I'll give you 10% off. They have to prove that they attended. It's, it's a big deal. And so we are full five stars, all of our reviews. And so the difference between some of the up-and-coming festivals like Cordillera that are in a similar place uh, that are maybe 10 years old and but scoring the way that Cordillera is, I think the big difference between them and a Sundance or them and Cannes or us and Toronto is, or TIFF is time, people learning. Uh, so Cordillera cheated a little because we didn't wait 10 years to get attention from Academy members to join our grand jury. I met Paul Sloop and said, one day you were going to be my programmer. And he giggled. He's a doll. He wasn't like making fun of me, but he was like, oh, okay, sure I am. You know, and now he is. And he tells everyone that story that this like blonde bubbly filmmaker came up and was like, you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be my programmer someday. Um, and so I think it's getting that magic mix of a grand jury that gets the prestige for you, that gets the filmmakers with the big titles that maybe just one South by Southwest or one Sundance it's convincing them to give you their babies uh, because quite frankly, a lot of them, when they think of Reno, they think of Reno 911, which so many of us in the arts have to contend with when we're trying to convince whether it's musicians or muralists or whatever to come here and give us a, give us a chance. But I think for those big film festivals, they had 25 to 75 years to find their stride, get known for their programming, known for their hospitality, and known for their prizes and the grand jury that your film can be exposed to. And Cordillera just did it in basically four years. And so I cannot wait to see where we are in the next few years. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm assuming a big part of that, like you mentioned, is you were able to bring some of these people in sooner than other film festivals might be able to. So can you tell me a little bit about your background in film? Why did you start the Cordillera Film Festival? And kind of what's your story to bringing this festival to Reno? 
So um, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest. And for anyone uh, younger than me that doesn't know what that means, I'll try to make this very <laughs> short. <laughs> But uh, when I was, a, I was a news anchor and a television personality, I had a relationship with a gentleman that did film festival consulting with a company for uh, over a decade. And while we were together so that we could travel, I would go to the film festivals that he was consulting about 300 over a decade. <laughs> and I would do the red carpet interviews is how I started. And I started meeting these filmmakers. And it's so beautiful to listen to artists finding their voice, sharing these stories, whereas in news, you're limited to an, a headline and a and 90 second to seven minute segment if you're lucky. So this form of storytelling became really exciting to me. And as I started going to the festivals, you start learning vicariously. I guess if you're married to a chef, you probably learn how to slice vegetables correctly. So what I was doing is red carpet interviews and over the years eventually started consulting with him. And although the company doesn't exist anymore and neither does that relationship, the love for film festivals still does exist. And not only did I start getting inspired by what the film festivals and the family they were creating on the circuit, I also started getting inspired because I had been a writer and had been with Second City and performing on stage and writing and getting hired for copywriting, like make this commercial funnier, make this script funnier, which is access you get when you live in a place like Chicago. And I started saying, I want, I want to keep that script. Like, this is really good. I want to do something with it. So I made my first film. So suddenly I was now on the complete opposite side of the film festival world. I had been interviewing grand jury, interviewing key players and decision makers and learning so much about what the formula is on the backside of a film festival, but I had never attended as a filmmaker. So then I was. And luckily, my film was good enough to get into the major film festivals. And so I got to see both sides. When I moved to Reno, and there were film societies, there's some smaller film festivals, but nothing on the international level, nothing that was aiming for Oscar accreditation. And I just started meeting with the local communities and offering, like, can I get involved? Can I take over this event for you? You do the fun stuff and I'll do the boring stuff. You know, why are you doing this? And let's figure out how you can do it, but let's bring it under the Cordillera. So you have insurance and ENO and access to even more films. And, and so Cordillera ended up being kind of an umbrella for a lot of smaller events and some major events. Eventually, we took over Movies in the Park for Art Town at the time. You know, it was a 20 plus year legacy Art Town event. And we now have the privilege of getting to program and do such a cherished community event. And so it just kind of all came together. And when I felt like I finally had an audience that would fill a theater venue and, <laughs> and sell enough tickets to justify asking filmmakers to give me their films to invest in the travel to come, I wanted to make sure that I had a, an audience. And so we built the, the annual attendance to, at that time, I think around 10,000 between all of our events. And I went, all right, now's the time. And so we were lucky. We were super supported by the film community um, and filmmakers. And I just brought in a lot of people that are way better at their individual jobs than I even could pretend to be. And they all just, every time you trust someone to take their gift and collaborate and release, everything continues to lift and elevate. And that's where Cordillera is right now. I'm surrounded by a lot of incredible people with amazing connections and job ability. So you mentioned that you moved to Reno and then started the film festival here in Reno. Is there anything particular about Reno as a good opportunity for a film festival? Was it just happened to be the location you were at? Or is there something special about Reno that you think is a really good fit for a festival like this? 
I think I've lived a lot of places and never been inspired to start an actual film festival. One, the main film festival here had become dormant. And there was a festival called Reno Film Festival. Even before that, quite some time ago, I met some of the key individuals from them, asked what were their challenges. They showed a lot of classic films. Um, Some of those people are now on my board (laughs) that I met with so that I could find out what the challenge is. But what Reno has that's so magical is sun over 300 days of the year. We're 20 minutes away from the mountains. We're 20 minutes away from the desert 30 minutes away from a capital, 45 minutes to 30 minutes, depending on how you drive, to get to a ghost town in Virginia City. So we have everything that is needed to film here, an incredibly simple permitting process. And so for me, the best way to grow a film like production city is to have a successful film festival that brings in all of those key players so they fall in love with the region and say, oh, I'm going to bring my film here. And so honestly, I would say the Film Nevada initiative was found before Cordillera was because I knew to grow this community and take advantage of how just amazing it is. Until you've tried to get 300 extras to show up to something in L.A. or Chicago, you know, and volunteer or make $75 a day or some ridiculous payment when you're an independent filmmaker, then you do it in Reno and you ask for 300 and they all bring friends. I mean, it's incredible here. This community is supportive. The locations are incredible. So I think I fell in love with the ability to film in Reno and then went, aha, I'm going to get more filmmakers to come here and you know, the financial impact, the locations, the vendors, all the people at the support system. And as Cordillera grows, so will Film Nevada. So they kind of feed each other in that sense. Yeah, that makes sense. The film festival is not just about the film festival. It's about the film production. Yes, I think you cannot have one without the other. And if you build an amazing film festival and you don't focus on getting everyone that's attending excited, shine a light on your city and get them excited about bringing production here, then you are failing your community because the financial impact is so, so huge. So it's it's very important to me. So the fifth day of our film festival, if you notice, I said there's four days of films. The fifth day of our film festival, we actually do what's called Film Nevada Day. And it's not open to the public because if you're public, you live in Reno and you live in Nevada. So you know how amazing we are. But we take our grand jury, our VIP guests, special jury and our filmmakers and we treat them to a experience. Last year, we did catamaran boat ride in Tahoe with a barbecue at a 60 plus million dollar home on the water. Uh, They got to tour the city with all of the different locations. This next year, we're focusing on Virginia City in the morning, um, Lake Tahoe at night, because again, they see a lot of sparks in Reno because we try to space out our parties and kind of give them a little taste of all the fun things around the region. So that's a huge part of what Cordillera does is try to introduce them to the region. And we've had great success. We're responsible for 29,000. We'll film the Nevada Film Office and Film Nevada Initiative. All of our numbers come from the Film Nevada office, Film Office. And that's because to get tax incentives, you have to turn in receipts. So you can't even exaggerate about the financial income that production brings to the region, which is magic. Mm-hmm. But you know, 29,000 hotel rooms, $15.6 million financial impact, $9 million to 40 local vendors. Those are powerful numbers and those are production numbers within any given region. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was going to ask how it's going so far and whether there has been more filming happening in Reno or more attention to Reno since you started the festival and since you kind of started this initiative. What has that been like? Have you seen a good response? Have you seen more interest in filming in Reno? Uh, What's that been like so far? 
Reno's always had a colorful history with film. It just kind of came to a stop. We had a lot of fun stuff happening in the 80s and 90s, and then it kind of just started stopping. And so part of that is we don't have an aggressive tax incentive, but I won't go into legislation and everything right now. So what we have to do is show productions that the permitting process, the expense, the day labor, and we can pay people well. You know, we're paying college kids $250 a day for a show that I just did with Disney Plus that starred Jeremy Renner. We got a lot of local people hired to get involved in that. And at two fifty a day for college kids, that's a good wage. And that's the lowest paying of the jobs that we can hire within the community. So I think the community is receptive to it. Filmmakers are starting to realize, I mean, getting Disney, Disney Plus to trust, bringing a production here and letting us film here is powerful. It's the first time a television series has been based in Reno or in the region, I'm sorry, since Bonanza. Um, We've had episodes come here, but not an entire series. So I think it's growing and I would never take personal credit (laughs) for that. But I think it's the entire community awareness that's been raised in the last four or five years and local businesses going, wow, uh, they spend a lot of money when they're here, those filmmakers. And we've got to feed them, but they still get a per diem. So what are they going to do? They go home and they buy big steak dinners <laughs> and they're staying in the hotel rooms, they're shopping. You know, So the, the money spreads quite deliciously. Uh, the Motion Picture Association of America for not, not the Christmas movies that, that we've had here recently, but the major budget films. We did have Logan shoot here, Maverick shoot here. Those films generally do an influx of about $250,000 a day into the local community while they're filming. So those are big numbers that are impressive. And I think that the film community, as far as the number of people actively creating film, I think that has grown by a significant amount. And I think production coming in has grown by a significant amount. So I guess there's a lot of advocates trying to make that grow. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to get into all of the the real weeds about the tax incentive stuff, but that is a big part of what makes a difference of whether a city or a state or region is desirable to film in, right? I always think of Georgia, which has become this huge film hub. So many things film in the Atlanta area and in Georgia because of tax incentives. They created a film hub legislatively, basically through the tax structure. So is that something that is on the radar in Nevada or something that you're working towards in Nevada? It's obviously a really significant piece of the puzzle. How does the partnership with the state or how does the lobbying to the state work in order to make sure that you're securing that piece of the the puzzle to make it happen? Well, we had a fairly great one going and then some larger businesses came in and they ate into the benefits that we provided the film community. And there's pretty much a direct correlation of a significant drop in production in our region when that decision was made to give those benefits to other businesses and other industries. And so right now it is hugely on the radar of the Nevada Film Office, Danette and Kim and Eric. Um, Danette Tull is on the board of Cordillera. (laughs) Uh, So they're working really hard to work with the governor's office, work with GoEd and all of the funding partnerships to make sure that that tax incentive gets back on the table for discussion. It's huge because if you are a production coming into a state to film, And if you have $10 million to spend, and at the end of the day, when you turn in your receipts, you can walk away with a minimum of a $350,000 check cut back to you by the state, 
that's a big deal. And then when you add the layer of if we hire, you know, 30 people in our crew are Nevada based, we get a percentage back. Those types of bonuses and benefits, um, if you create them, production will come here. The beautiful thing about Nevada is we are we don't have the humidity <laughs> that Atlanta can and New Orleans. Oh, my goodness. Um, Montana went hard after Yellowstone. $70 million financial impact from one television series. And New Orleans is back in full swing. They're estimating a $1 billion film industry in New Orleans for the year of 2022. So big numbers. So yes, uh, but we've got to get the community aware that filming even happens. Whenever I do, when I go to a rotary group or I'm speaking at a, the win event and I say, how many of you knew that Top Gun Maverick filmed here? How many of you knew that Logan had scenes shot here? And, you know, three hands pop up and a crowd of 300. So awareness needs to happen as well. How does that awareness happen? Is it just that we need to be paying more attention? Is there does there need to be more PR efforts from those films themselves to like let the local community know they're here? Do the films want people to know they're filming here? What's the missing piece that people are not recognizing the filming that is happening in Reno? I think the missing piece is just overall awareness. And Cordillera is very aggressive. We hold annual, you know, we have pop-up events year-round. And every time, if you come to it, whether you're coming to an ugly Christmas sweater party or an Oscar party, you're going to hear me talking some stats <laughs> about how it's beneficial. We have an incredible PR and marketing group. Uh, saturation is hard. And again, it's time. It's taking time. So if the governor were to announce an aggressive new tax incentive and film industry package, it'd get a ton of news because you'd have 50% of the community going, we need to give that to Tesla. And the other 50% of the community going, that's amazing. And so I think as the news spreads and as things are accomplished, it'll continue to grow with time. And we're, we're four years into our journey and it's a 10 year journey at minimum legislation. You can only even, you can only even try unless you have a special session. It's every four years, right? So it's just those baby steps to growing. And unfortunately when a film is in production, you don't want anyone to know about it. One, for the safety of the talent and the cast. Two, because it can cause problems. You know, one of the beautiful things about shooting in Nevada is nine times out of 10, if someone sees a camera crew and something and some grip trucks and they move on because they assume there is no one famous there. <laughs> um, but while we were shooting renovations, we had um, like owners of a building standing outside saying, hey, guys, Jeremy Renner's shooting in there. And, you know, you have to add security and stuff. And it was great on one end because we had such unbelievable support from the owners of the building, from the city of Reno, from Sparks. So it was a wonderful experience within the community. But as a whole, they're not going to let the average film production is not going to let a news anchor stand out in front of a set and and talk about it. So mm -hmm. it's that weird 50-50 thing. <laughs> we need people to know it happens, but we're not going to talk about it until after the fact. Now, if Nevada had more incentives and films were coming here for it, then in interviews, when people say, why did you choose Nevada? They're going to talk about us. Mm -hmm. But when they're coming here because of other circumstances or because you know they're a filmmaker, we brought them here and it was COVID and Hallmark needed you know snowy mountains or mountains they could make snowy. They're not going to say, oh, Nevada's amazing tax incentive brought us here. But hopefully they'll say Nevada's amazing support system brought us here. Mm -hmm. But it's that he healthy balance of awareness, but without ruining the shoot <laughs> because, <laughs> right. of, because of 500 crazy showing up to see someone. 
<laughs> yeah, that uh, probably is not helpful. I I get that. Yeah. Uh, what are you? So you mentioned there's other local film organizations or groups or festival type things that you've worked with or kind of integrated into the Cordillera umbrella. So we have an existing film community. Is that also part of spreading the word and kind of evangelizing Reno as a filming type city? What have those relationships been like since Cordillera has existed with other people who are already doing film stuff in Reno and how are they contributing or participating now? So we do a special Nevada film blocks during the festival. We shine a light on local Nevada filmmakers and 90% of them are individuals that I've known and collaborated with. And so we're trying to celebrate them. We're trying to, you know, when you have something local, like if you had a Michelin restaurant four doors down from your house, you may not understand that some people could travel all the way across the world to go to that restaurant. But to you that you're like, yeah, that's that one place. <laughs> and so for the filmmakers coming to Cordillera, if they've never been to another film festival, it's kind of funny because they don't realize the human beings they're sitting next to in the filmmakers lounge or that, you know, we have 150 filmmakers from around the world coming here. So as far as the film festival itself, they're learning what a benefit we are. I noticed the first year they would come only to see their screening. And now I'd say 70 to 80 percent of them start coming to things daily because they realize how it's helpful. As far as what they're doing in the community to bring more film here, every one of them, I think, is an advocate to bring film here. They're their own independent advocates. And as we build relationships with them from the festival side, uh, I think that'll continue to grow as well. Because right now we're kind of, we're not quite Michelin yet, because Sundance, I would think, is the five-star Michelin. Mm -hmm. But we are top 100 out of over 10,000 in the world. That makes us top 1% right here in Reno, Nevada. If you come to our festival, even movies in the park on when we do our summer short film series, it is highly likely we're four years for four years that you will see a film here in July premiere that goes on to get shortlisted for an Oscar, nominated for an Oscar and win an Oscar. I think when people start realizing the power of that, they'll understand the programming that we have. And the filmmakers are definitely getting that locally. But the production companies, I would say long before I ever lived here, by nature, are advocates. Their work shows just how amazing film can be when it's made here. Hey there, listeners. I hope that you are enjoying the episode so far. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about Patreon. It is a way that you can support the Renoites podcast financially. If you go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, there are several different levels that you can sign up to support the show financially from as little as $3 a month. I call that one the tip jar. Think of it this way. If you would throw a buck in the tip jar for this episode, I hope that you'll sign up on the Patreon and automatically donate three bucks a month to help keep this show financially sustainable all the way up to my VIP plus Patreon level that includes perks like Renoites merchandise, stickers, t-shirts, and shoutouts on the show. Thank you so much to my VIP plus patrons, really making a difference to let this show continue to be financially sustainable, hopefully to continue to grow. Shout out to Emily from Growing Up Reno Tahoe Magazine. Grab a copy of Growing Up Reno Tahoe Magazine. That's a quarterly magazine for things to do with your family around the Reno area. Vicky from DJ Trivia, thank you so much for your financial support of this show. And also thank you to Mike from Downtown Makeover. Downtown Makeover is one of my favorite 
blogs about the Reno area. Mike does a great job of covering what's happening in the development world. All of these new projects in Reno, he has a lot of inside information, scoops on what is going up, especially in the downtown area, and was a great guest on the podcast last year. I hope that you will check out his episode. So thank you so much to my patrons from all levels, from the tip jar all the way up to the VIP plus for helping make this show sustainable. Again, you can contribute at patreon.com slash Renoites. And now back to the episode. The film festival itself here in Reno locally, I'm sure there's a lot of partnerships that you have to do with various local businesses and things like that. What has that been like? Is Reno as a city uh, and Reno and Sparks been welcoming and supportive? Uh, how have those relationships gone? Well, I think there's something like 420 festivals that happen a year in the cities uh, between Sparks and Reno. So I think getting on the map and even them having any type of awareness of us is a slow process and not because they're not there to support, but just <laughs> it's it's probably overwhelming with all of the special events that take place. But I think over the last two years, probably the last two years of the five that we've been doing stuff, I, I think we're starting to actually have quite a bit of awareness. We're having, you know, downtown ambassadors are getting involved. The mayor and a lot of city officials attended our last Oscar party. So I think we're getting on the map as far as city awareness and support from, you know, anything from Travel Nevada to EDON, NCET, all of those organizations are slowly learning about us which is actually to no fault. There's just so much competition as far as event activities and special permits. That said, the permitting process for special events as a whole is incredibly supportive. And the city, once they're involved, incredibly supportive. And as a filmmaker, incredibly supportive. It's why it's such a magical environment for this to be happening because everybody wants to see it. We have not come across anyone in all of our years that was like, I don't like film. What do you got? You know, I don't want, I don't want no, I don't want no fancy film parties. Like that doesn't happen. So we've been really lucky. Whereas in Chicago, uh, I did film events and, you know, it was almost impossible to get a street closure. It was just such a challenge. I mean, we, in less than a couple of weeks coordination for the renovation show, speaking of special permits and events, we had a convoy with, 28 to 30 police vehicles and fire trucks and the city just made it happen for our, for a segment of our filming that we were doing for the television series. And so those are, that's magic. So I would say it's been going quite fantastically. It's just a slow grow. And I wouldn't have wanted full force of the city behind me my first year. I was still learning. Now I'm like, yeah, I need a sponsorship because we're awesome. What we're doing is incredible. Write the check. <laughs> so it's, we've grown to that point and that level of confidence now. Excellent. Speaking more broadly, not just about film festivals, but about film in general, what do you love about film? You've worked in television, in comedy, in writing. What is it about film as an art form that you think is so special that you've dedicated so much time to it? I love the format of television and I love screenwriting for really anything, but with a film, film can be transformative. Um, so whether it's a documentary or a narrative, whether it's a short film or a long film, and, and my favorite example is a short documentary. So it's if you sit down and you watch eight documentary short films or even narrative, they can show you the life of someone that lives in a completely different world, whether it's a different time period or present day, but in a village in the Philippines. 
you can be exposed to and hear stories and be profoundly impacted so greatly that when you leave, you are now an advocate for that individual's plight in life. And there's very little other types of storytelling that can transform the audience, educate the audience, and entertain the audience the way that moving pictures and film can. As a delivery of a story and a message, I think it's the most powerful that you can do. And it's one isolated sit, drop, experience, and leave. And television is more challenging. You have a series quite a few television series I've worked on Mm. and the audience isn't consistent. They come and they go. And so you're like, ah, we dropped audience on that, but that was the the thing that I needed them to know. And so I think film gives you that it's a one hit wonder and a, and a perfect opportunity to transform, engage, entertain, bring light into someone's life when a lot of bad is going on uh, or educate in in some ways as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's been in recent years, like we are kind of, have this golden age of television in the last, what, 10, 15 years, maybe maybe even 20 years since The Sopranos or whatever, where these kind of really impactful TV shows that everyone watches, where it's, I think a lot of talent went into television in recent years from people who were making films. There's just more attention paid to the quality of television shows. As someone who produces and works on TV and movies, do you see that as kind of like a competition for talent? Is there... Uh, as much attention being paid to film anymore now that television has become a place where filmmakers or storytellers can really create these huge projects that make a lot of money. Like there's a lot of business in television now. So do you have any thoughts on kind of like the competition between film and TV for both like the viewer's attention and for the talent of creative people that want to make these type of things? I don't know if I view it as competition because that's always competitive. I think (laughs) there's always only so many, so many people that when, when the financiers run the AI and figure out, Nope, I'm sorry, but we need Eric Roberts or Nicholas Cage for the Russia market. You know, those types of things, you're always competing on that level. But I will say every time I pitch a film, it feels like in the last two to three years to a street, especially to a streaming service, because, uh, The beautiful thing about streaming services is they have put in a lot of money and backed a lot of independent filmmakers and given just created incredible amounts of content. And so, but when you pitch them, they always go, that's great. Love the premise. Love the idea. Great pitch. Could you turn that into a series? (laughs) And so when, when we say it like that, I think there's been a huge push and you're seeing a lot of film talent, established film talent gravitating because, wow, you know, they can create eight hours of this brilliant character and and get these amazing meaty stories. Uh, So, yes, I think I am seeing just from the pitching side of it when I'm selling an uh, intellectual property or pitching an IP for film, I I have seen this pretty significant pivot to, can you make that into eight episodes or 10 episodes? (laughs) So I say that would speak to what you're saying as far as competition, because they just need more content. But what it does do is when these actors and that talent are filming for nine months on a television series, making a very significant amount of income, when an indie filmmaker approaches them on their time off, if they're thirsty and they love what they do and they want to work, uh, they made their big check that year. So they can take bigger artistic freedom and make choices that maybe they wouldn't normally make and, and work for scale to take on really incredible independent film style projects. And so th- to that end, I think that has benefited the independent film community. 
Mm-hmm. And studio film will never change. There's no threat. There's no change. Yeah. Uh, it's it's what worked before. Let's do it again with a new title and a different star. So <laughs> right. in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. Hold on one sec. Um, my mom's on the phone just outside this door. I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna go shush my mom for oh, a second. Oh, shush that mama. Jeez, <laughs> awesome. mom, I'm trying to make my podcast. Come on, mom. <laughs> uh, did you see Free Guy? I did. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I forgot most of it, but I did see it. So in Free Guy, Maddie, the character of Maddie that plays the guy that's gaming, playing Channing Tatum's character, he's mm-hmm. in he's in one of my projects, a television series project called Working Stiffs. But that is his exact character in Free Guy. Mom, <laughs> shut up! I'm, I'm playing or playing my game. You know, don't talk, yeah. mom. It's super funny. Uh, it is. It is very funny. Like I, um, I enjoy doing this podcast very much, but I fully recognize the cultural association of podcasting as this very nerdy thing that a certain type of person does. So it's very fun for me to like be doing the podcast and then have these moments of realization where I'm like, okay, that like feels very dorky and definitely like (laughs) shushing my mom while I do my podcast is uh, that's very dorky. Uh, It's the, it's the pinnacle, but also filmmakers are the same way. Writers are the same way. We're all just, we're all a little nerdy in our own way. I think anytime you get super passionate about something, you enter into delicious nerd territory Mm because you get obsessed and you learn. So what a gorgeous thing to be called. I love being called a dork or a nerd. I'm like, yeah, that means you're acknowledging my great deal of knowledge and passion towards something I love. So thank Mm -hmm. you. I will wear a badge that says that. Absolutely. Uh, So there's not just film and TV, but there's a big arts community in Reno. Like we've tried to rebrand ourselves as an arts city in recent years. You mentioned that you work with Art Town to do the movies in the park. Can you just talk a little bit about the relationships that you or Cordillera or the Film Nevada Initiative have with other arts organizations in the Reno area or kind of what those relationships are like in terms of building not just a film community but kind of a, you know, united or cohesive or otherwise connected arts community in Reno? What part you play in that? Yeah, so for the film festival, I think that if you're going to build a film community, you need to be very tapped into the art community. And that's because film is moving art. You want amazing locations and muralists and actors and talent that can perform. So outside of the production crew, like, do you have a good grip truck? Are you a gaffer? But the art side of it, the set dressing and design, the costume designs, that's that's theater. That's dance. That's everything, visual and paintings and sculpture. So it is one big family. And so Cordillera, part of our, our actual mission statement, you know, on our business cards, it says collaborate create, inspire. And that collaboration is with the local art community. So we, I've hired muralists to create for television or film. And so you start learning all the muralists in town. We do a poster competition that's international, but is a thousand dollar prize to create and design our poster competition. We work with local artists for our table readings. So a table reading, if you are one of our 10 screenplay finalists at the festival, we bring in each theater. We work with the community theater and we have them direct the actors from within that film community or that theater community, they perform an excerpt of our finalists. And while the screenplay and the audience gets to watch their words from the page come to life with these amazing actors behind them is a local artist's interpretation and poster that they make. So we try to involve visual arts, um, performing arts, 
within the festival itself, but also when Film Nevada, when I'm hiring, <laughs> dancers make incredible extras because they understand physical coordination. They are very in tune with their bodies. They can handle long hours. They can emote. Uh, they're very disciplined. And they often translate into incredible performers. The actors know how to bring it every single time. So we try to bring on performers, production designers in town that can help create the world that we're filming visually. So I think the festival and the Film Nevada Initiative works greatly with those departments. And we have specific relationships, like with the Sierra Arts Foundation, we are joining to do some curated short film programming with the uh, the Reno-Tahoe International Art they're doing a huge trade show here and bringing world-class art experience here. Um, and the beautiful thing about the work that that organization is doing is that they're celebrating local artists as well. So I, I, I just think it's a scene that is blowing up. And I think film is basically the last form of art to get acknowledged within our community. And I think that's changing. Excellent. So when is the Cordillera Film Festival? I know it's coming up pretty soon. What are the dates and how do people get tickets and stuff? So the Cordillera International Film Festival is taking place this year from July 28th, which is a Thursday, through August 1st, which is a Monday, with the films, parties, panels, networking events, and pitch fest all being consolidated into a four-day period of that Thursday through Sunday. Tickets will go on sale on June 1st at our website, which is www. I don't know why I say W. It makes me sound so old, but it's sifnv.org, the Cordillera International Film Festival.org. And there's so many ways to get involved in the film festival because we do have pop-up events. So uh, every Friday in July, except for July 1st, because that's Art Town's big opening night. So they take over Wingfield Park. But you can come and see one of our short films and then a, so that you kind of get a little aperitif of what you can see at the film festival. And then every night, see a classic film. So this year, Movies in the Park, our theme is Christmas in July, which is kind of a risk. I, I wasn't sure how that was going to land, but I just think... It's kind of magic. You never get to see a lot of those classics on a big screen anymore. And getting to do it, it's very family friendly. So every Friday in July, starting July 8th, we'll have Christmas classics like Elf, The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Christmas Story. We're bringing in a Hollywood snow machine so people can take like cheesy family Christmas card pictures with snow <laughs> and a fake backdrop. So that should be painfully delicious. Um, so the ways you can get involved is one, by attending any of our pop-up events that happen throughout the year, a lot of which the funds go towards the organization that we're partnering with for that pop-up. You can be a screener. So when I talked about those 2,000 plus submissions, and yes, you'll see some challenging ones, but you'll also see some magical films that are incredible. We don't get to program every amazing film that gets submitted, but our screeners get a chance to see quite a bit of them. And screeners get to get free tickets based on how much they screen for us. So some of them end up with these VIP passes where they're rocking it in the filmmaker's lounge and hosted bars and meals and meeting all their heroes. And then you can also just buy a singular ticket for one screening because you're familiar with that artist and you just don't know if you like film festivals yet. So you need to dip your toe into it and you can volunteer. Um, 
So there's so many ways we try to make it as accessible as possible to join in on any level. Our singular tickets start at $12.50 to $15. So it's not a big investment. Mm -hmm. If you're getting hosted bar for five days and three meals a day, even then the most expensive pass is 500. But one of the other ways, let's say you're not really into independent film, but you love, you know, Die Hard with a Vengeance is one of your favorites. You can meet, our chairman of the board is Peter Menzies Jr. So he's Die Hard with a Vengeance, Expendables, The Incredible Hulk. He just did HBO's Time Traveler's Wife, which is the most expensive television series in history. You know, you can come to an event called our Speed Networking event that happens on Friday mornings. And all of our grand jury and special jury, these literal and figurative, like they're icons, industry legends. And for a $15 ticket, it's like going to Comic-Con, but you get to meet every single one of them. So you sit in front of them, you get to talk, a bell rings, and you move to your left. And so you have this chance to meet all these incredible people. So I think you can come as a fan of classics, a fan of independent film, as a screener, as a volunteer, or as a ticket or pass holder. Excellent. Excellent. Well, what else do you want people to know about film in Reno or the Cordillera Film Festival? Is there anything that we missed? I think one thing to talk about with um, Film Nevada Initiative's mission to bring more film into the community and Cordillera's mission that joins that is our Future Filmmaker Foundation program. And what we do is every year uh, we sponsor roughly about 100 kids from Boys and Girls Club. And this year will be the first year where we're going to be partnering with other organizations and also just people in the community that have a child that has a child that's, you know, seven years old and already trying to have a YouTube subscription. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what we do is we bring in 10 Academy nominated Emmy award winning filmmakers. They come to our region and we bring in local filmmakers to join their teams, to support their teams. And then we divide the children up and they get to write and star in their own films and then see themselves on the big screen at a red carpet event. And it is all at zero cost. No one pays anything. Even at the red carpet screening, it would be heartbreaking, right? If you're a kid and you do this amazing experience, but your family can't afford tickets to come watch you. So the screening's completely free. Uh, We had over 580 something people attend our last screening because everyone brought their cousins. Mm -hmm. And and the magic part about investing our time and our energy and our funding, because we don't get any financial support for this program, is that we're starting kids young to find that passion, to find their voice, to give them a, a shine a light on them, to express themselves. And it's a pretty magical experience. I think I wasn't particularly athletic or gifted physically (laughs) in in school. And I think if you're not an athlete, if you're not in dance classes, and if you're not someone who wants to get in front of the camera, uh, you're not, there's not a whole lot of organizations and ways, you know, if you're not playing an instrument to feel like you're part of something and creating something and using your voice. But on a film set, every child has a gift, whether they want to build the set or paint, or maybe they just want to hit the slate you know, (laughs) and start it, or they want to direct, you know, and then of course the actors that love being on camera, what a dream, you know, to have these amazing, my favorite example of future filmmakers foundation is we had Steven Duvall, who is 17 plus seasons with amazing race. He's this incredible man. And his group decided to do a parody 
of the amazing race called the amazing chase. And this man was an angel, big smile on his face, totally. And the kids have no idea who he is. (laughs) And he's just like, all right, let's make this the best parody ever of my baby. (laughs) So I think the Future Filmmakers Foundation, I want to make sure more community members know that it exists either because they are an actor and they want to help out the kids and, and donate their time. And everyone donates their time. Obviously, there's no paid positions. That goes for Film Nevada Initiative and Cordillera. We are a 100% volunteer organization. And I'm actually really proud of that. Although, ultimately, I'd love to be able to pay uh, myself and anyone else (laughs) involved. But for now, it's a passion project. And I love that so many people have come on board. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about it. I, like I said, have not attended a film festival before, which I feel like I, I'm missing out. So I'm very excited to attend this year to see some of the screenings and hopefully come to some of these events. And I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about how it all works and what you're doing to make Reno a a desirable location for a little more film work and industry and our kind of arts community in general. Like you said, I think film has been a missing piece of the arts puzzle in the area. And it's really great that we have people like yourself actively working to change that. Well, I appreciate you giving us a voice. Uh, I have an incredible board and an unbelievable team and grand jury and special jury and all the people that give their time to help grow this. And I hope that when you come, you have an amazing experience. Listeners, thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of Renoites, and special thanks to my guest, Emily Skyle Golden, from the Cordillera International Film Festival. Check that out at ciff.org. Really great to learn about this fun event and the film industry here in Reno. I'm glad that we have a growing arts community, including film. If you have any feedback about this episode, as I said, feel free to reach out to me at Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com, and tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth means everything to a podcast like this. So if you share posts on social media, tell your friends about the show, anything you can do to let people know this podcast exists really helps me find people who might find it really valuable. There's tens of thousands of daily podcast listeners in the Reno area, but a lot of them don't even know that Renoites exists. So that's where you can come in and help. And I greatly appreciate it. That is all I've got for you this week. See you next time. 